1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to Episode 60 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with myself and my good friend Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related issue. Today, we take a look at a blog post written by Matt entitled Compliance Lessons in the Cardinal Governance Fight. In it, we take a look at the Teamsters Union, who brought a shareholder derivative uh, dispute to the Board of Directors of Cardinal Health regarding their opioid sales in the state of West Virginia. The shareholders were able to successfully get the uh, governance at the corporation changed. However, it also had some very interesting implications regarding the Chief Compliance Officer, who has a Role uh, together with general counsel in one person. The Teamsters uh, attacked this uh, corporate uh, setup through the board of directors in a very unusual uh, manner. We take a look at the underlying uh, facts which led to the dispute and what it may mean for the compliance practitioners going forward. It was a really interesting uh, vote and a really interesting result, and we may see uh, shareholders now uh, actively pushing for not only split of the CCO and GC role, but also a split of the corporate function. Compliance into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back again for another episode of Compliance into the Weeds with my good friend and colleague, Matt Kelly, founder and editor at Radical Compliance. We find Matt on the road reporting live this week from yet another event. So, Matt, uh, hopefully we can get a, a debrief from you at some point in the future. Uh, but uh, thanks sure. for taking the time to uh, to visit with us because you had, a, I thought, a really interesting blog post today entitled Compliance Lessons from the Cardinal Governance Fight. So you want to set the stage for us?
0: Yeah, this has been interesting. And um, the, if people who read my blog regularly, which, of course, I hope all you listeners out there are doing that, um, you know, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Cardinal Health, one of the largest drug distribution companies in the United States. So they don't make the pills, but they ship the pills to your local pharmacy from the pharmaceutical company that makes the pills. So Cardinal has a large business distributing uh, opioids, typically oxycodone or hydrocodone, And uh, they have been doing this for quite a number of years. And earlier this fall, the Teamsters Union, which holds, I believe, about $27 million in Cardinal Health stock, the Teamsters Union started a shareholder resolution demanding that the CEO and chairman, who is this is two jobs housed in one and the same person, George Barrett, uh, that they wanted George Barrett to be stripped of the chairman role and he could remain CEO. And this was interesting to me because they said that the board's poor leadership was made manifest when you looked at the incentive-based pay of the chief legal and compliance officer, a man named Craig Morford. And some of you who are old enough may remember that Craig Morford was the deputy attorney general at the end of the Bush administration. Anyways, so here the uh, Teamsters were saying that they thought excessive pay to Morford Um, was emblematic of poor board governance. So therefore, George Barrett should be stripped of the board chairman title. And this was going to come to a head on November 9th at uh, the Cardinal Health Investors meeting, which they did have. And lo and behold, two days before that meeting, the board announced that um, the CEO, George Barrett, well, he was going to step down as CEO. He's going to be chairman for another year, and then he will step down from that role as well next November. Um, I think they promoted the CFO to be the new CEO, but uh, the shareholder proposal that the Teamsters had originally proposed, well, that did fail. However, when you think of it, I mean, the Teamsters didn't exactly expect that uh, they would, you know, they didn't ask for the CEO to lose a CEO job. They asked him to lose his board chairmanship seat, but they got the inverse of that. But nonetheless, like they, they got change, which is what they wanted. So um, needless to say, the Teamsters think this is a victory, and it was a very interesting corporate governance spat as these things go. Um, I wasn't really expecting that we'd see this kind of shakeup like we did, but the Teamsters wanted some change, and they pulled it off.
1: Uh, so we had a very good lessons on, lesson on corporate governance, but, Matt, uh, you really talked about, and, and uh, as I read into your piece, quite a bit more about compliance uh, the function of the compliance officer, the structure of the compliance program uh, and within the corporation, and, of course, the role of the chief compliance officer. You want to sort of take us through that? Yeah.
0: So there's a couple of different dimensions to why Cardinal has responded the way it did and why Cardinal, frankly, got into the sort of tight spot with the Teamsters that it did. Uh, so, number one, um, you, the the reason the Teamsters seized on the chief legal and compliance officer's pay is because they, uh, the chief legal and compliance officer, was one and the same person, Craig Morford. And my key takeaway here is that this would not necessarily have been the thing it was if, first off, um, that Cardinal had separated those two roles into two separate people. Uh, number two, working against Cardinal, of course, is you know I wouldn't say that the Teamsters brought about the CEO getting. Pushed out of his job. Above all, the CEO got pushed out of his job because Cardinal has not been doing well at the share price and its net income has fallen, and you know, it's not doing terribly well as pharmaceutical distribution companies are going these days. Poor performance more than anything else, claimed the CEO's scalp. However, all of this about what is a compliance issue and what is a legal issue and you know whose interests are whose and can you really do that when it's meshed into one chief legal and compliance officer? That did not help uh, Cardinal's situation at all because that gave the Teamsters the opening to say, we have a governance beef that we want to pick with you. And, and they did. And you know, this is the result that happened. Um, when you really start to peel back the layers of the onion about what drug distribution companies have been doing with distributing opioids in particular – uh, and this is not news. We all know there's a big opioid abuse crisis in this country these days. Like, There really are some serious questions to be raised about, should these companies have thought about why are we shipping hundreds of millions of pills to small states like West Virginia when there is no earthly reason that that many pills should be going there? Now, I get it that the first person to blame for opioid abuse is the Dr. Feelgood at the pill mill who's writing out prescriptions to anybody who asks and then the addicts wind up taking them because they're so easy to get. Um, but nonetheless, there is a governance question. If you're Cardinal or if you are McKesson, which was another victim of the Teamsters uh, trying to force through governance change this year, we can get to McKesson as well in a minute. But like if you're, if you're Cardinal, if you're McKesson, do you have a duty to sit back and ask regardless of how profitable it is? Are we really do we have a business interest is it moral for us to ship 300,000 pills to a town of 211 people, which is an allegation that Cardinal Health had to face. The state of West Virginia filed suit because there was a town, Van, West Virginia, population 211. Cardinal shipped 300,000 pain pills to that town within the space of two years. Like that seems like a question of business practices. And that's the compliance issue. And it gets much harder to answer that question when the same person answering those is also the chief legal officer whose job is to settle cases. And that's not the same as compliance. And that was my big my big intrigue, my bone of contention with this case and what the Teamsters were doing.
1: So I thought it was really interesting, Matt, the way you approached this, because it was clearly a problem of the structure of the CCO role being combined with the general counsel role, which you point out gave the Teamsters the opening. But here we had really, uh, I don't want to say kind of a, a, a reverse pivot, but someone looking at this role from not even a top-down, sort of the side of the company, and saying, hey, guys, this could be a problem. And it could be a problem because of the uh, really difference in uh, corporate responsibility of a GC, which is, of course, to protect the corporation and largely through the settlement of cases of, of litigation, rather. And then the um, CCO's role, which is prevent, detect, and remediate. And, and basically, if you got a problem, you fix it so that it doesn't pop up again because that's when you have potential criminal Liability. Uh, Joe Murphy wrote a, a great blog post last week on the SCCE blog, where he talked about when the roles are combined, and really the uh, almost co- dissonance of having those two concepts in, in into one person. But I thought found it really interesting that the Teamsters really could look at looked at this really from a corporate governance angle and said, you know, guys, uh, this may be a problem, and it may, it may be a problem specifically under these facts. Uh, situations of the number of pills. You talked about going to one town in West Virginia and indeed the entire state. Nevertheless, it really points up the difference in the two roles and how uh, they need to be evaluated differently for bonus purposes, uh, I think, as the Teamsters pointed out.
0: Uh, They did. And, you know, so we can give a more specific example here is that, so Craig Morford, the chief legal and compliance officer, so they were upset with his incentive pay and you know, there were numerous disclosures in the proxy statements over the last eight or nine years that Moore Ford has been there that, um, you know, he would receive a bonus for doing good work. And even if the company was struggling overall, I'm okay with that because sometimes an employee can be great at his or her job while the rest of the company is suffering through no fault of his or her own. But if you are giving more Ford Incentive-based bonuses for rapid settlement of cases, reducing legal liability and exposure, there isn't anything wrong with that, but when it is the same type of issue happening over and over, and Cardinal has been cited multiple times now for... Problems of shipping large volumes of opioids to very small communities. The board had a special committee that uh, looked into it in 2014. After a settlement in 2012, and then the board said that it was confident we'd rectified the problem. And then there was another settlement in 2015 or 2016. Well, meanwhile, if you are also the chief compliance officer, clearly your business practices are not improving because you're still having these allegations and litigations and settlements. So. Why is the person doing that getting an incentive-based bonus? But if he's also the legal compliant, the legal officer, and this is his job, why wouldn't he? So that's really been my beef: is that was he being incentivized to settle cases, or was he being incentivized to build um, good business practices and ethical? practices? Um, practices around drug distribution now i know the board is going to cop out and say well it's both well it, that's a mess and it's very hard to unravel and so i don't think the teamsters are wrong to call this out and say this is evidence that the board isn't taking this issue seriously because the board should know either to separate these roles or rethink incentives or something like that and i if Craig Morford is out there listening. I want to make sure I'm, I'm not necessarily picking on him in particular because he's doing what he was told by his board, and you can't fault him for, for that. But the Teamsters are not wrong to say the board hadn't really thought this through about what good conduct and good legal practice are because they are not necessarily always the same thing. Um, you, know, you can have good legal practice of settling cases because your business practices are still a mess then you don't have good business practices, so you need to address that. Now, I, I don't necessarily think that those things can easily be done by one and the same person.
1: And I guess uh, the the uh, the other point is I found it very interesting that a shareholder would raise this. Even kind um, of in a back doorway talking about uh, discretionary bonus compensation paid to a general counsel uh, who also wears the same hat as the CCO, but I find that it gets to the same place, which is – What is the role of a CCO, and what is the role of a general counsel? And as you point out correctly, I think, uh, they don't serve the same purpose. They're different, and they have different focus and different functions. And uh, I just found it really interesting that here we would have a shareholder, uh, even an activist shareholder, bringing this to light and calling out the board for its failure to oversee the structure of a company's compliance program, if, if I'm not taking that too many steps down the road.
0: No, I I don't think you are. Um, I would say you know, one other kind of practical constraint about talking about this, if there are compliance officers listening to this case saying, (gasps) they're going to take away my bonus. Well, the only reason this happened at Cardinal is because Craig Morford is a named executive officer, and therefore we get to know what his salary and his bonus plans are because it's in the proxy statement. Um, I had mentioned McKesson earlier so earlier this year uh, the teamsters went after mckesson where they also were demanding that the ceo i think be they, they wanted a no vote on the advisory say on pay for his pay package and then they also wanted i think the ceo to uh give up his board seat and they the only reason that they didn't seize on compensation for the compliance officer at mckesson is because mckesson's General Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer isn't a named executive officer, so her pay details are not on the proxy. We don't know this. we might have, in some alternate universe, we might have seen a similar thing happen at McKesson. I don't know how often we're going to see this come up, but like you said, this is a side door approach to get into a, a very serious governance question that can't be dismissed, But it winds up Exhibit A was the chief legal and compliance officer's pay package. Um, And we should note that back at McKesson in January, the shareholders did vote down the executive pay package, and the board did not strip the CEO of his seat, but the CEO did say that when he moves on at some point in the future, they will then have separate board and CEO roles at McKesson's. The Teamsters have, you know, they picked on two big companies and they got two victories in the space of a year. That's impressive. Um, Clearly, there is an issue here with business practices around opioids. And if I were a drug distribution firm or a pharmaceutical company, I'd be thinking about, you know, what are the limits of our business interests butting up against the morality of, you know, helping to create this enormous problem that we have with opioids in this country? What responsibility do we have to say no even if that's going to cost the company some money. I'm, I'm not quite sure I know what the answer is, but the Teamsters definitely want to have the conversation.
1: I guess uh, maybe to kind of end this up, I what I would say about the difference that you articulated between Cardinal and McKesson in having their general counsel slash CCO as an officer once this dam has been breached, as it has been with Cardinal Health, I think we may see other activist shareholders asking that specific question, uh, even if they don't have that information in a proxy, and forcing management to disclose the structure of the compliance function and specifically whether those roles are embodied in, in one position. So um even with uh, the difference, you like I said, you articulated between McKesson and Cardinal, I think this may be uh, an interesting turning point.
0: I think it is an interesting turning point. If I were providing advice to compliance officers out there, I would say, you know, if you were ever thinking, does the function need a charter? Do we need to talk to the board about getting a charter? This is an excellent way to show them this is the kind of stuff that can happen if we don't think this through Maybe we should have a charter, even if it's that we're all going to be rolled into legal or whatever you want to do, but you know, structure it wisely and note to the board that these things can become governance issues and they can get kind of ugly. Um, as a side note, for some other podcast on a different week, I do wonder if the SEC or Congress changes the threshold for submitting shareholder proposals how we might have conversations like this, because there are some proposals to raise the threshold for submitting a proposal so dramatically, even the Teamsters, with their many millions, wouldn't be able to do it. We would not have had this conversation. Um, so I I know that the SEC is thinking about this. I know Congress is thinking about it, and you know we we might want to think about how to make sure that these kind of conversations can happen. Because like I've said before, I don't know what the right or wrong answer is here, but it's an important conversation to have. The Teamsters are not wrong to raise the issues that they did.
1: So you touched on something that we really didn't speak to in the podcast, which is the separation of the compliance function from the legal function. That was not the situation we had at Cardinal. Uh, we had uh, where we had a CCO reporting to a general counsel. We had CCO and and general Counsel were this same person, but I can clearly see uh, this conversation evolving with uh, activist shareholders to move towards that next step. So, um, very interesting case, Matt, and I think we're going to have to keep our eye on this one. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only weekly podcast that takes a deep dive into a compliance or compliance-related topic, literally going into the weeds. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at MKelly at radicalcompliance.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.